Hello, Marjorie, Arnie, and Jacob. I want to play a game. You have reviewed many movies in your life, but with the release of Saw 6, I have a new test for you. You have to watch and review all of the movies in the Saw series. We need to talk. We need to think. But be warned. These reviews will be filled with spoilers, and the language used will offend some people. But this is your task. Live or die. Make your choice. Today we're discussing Saw 2, starring Donnie Wahlberg, Tobin Bell, and Shawnee Smith, directed by Darren Lynn Boozman. I'm Arnie, host of Now Playing. I'm Marjorie. And I'm Jacob. So the Jigsaw Killer is back, and this time he brought Marky Mark's brother with him. Okay, can I say something? I did not realize this was Marky Mark until I, I checked out the credits at the end. Oh, it's his brother. <laughs> it's Donnie oh, Don. It's, 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 oh, okay. it's one of the new kids. That's right. Okay. I Because I, w- I was watching this, I'm like, man, that looks like a, a slightly plumper, kind of receding hairline version of Marky Mark. <laughs> and, and, I, and then I saw the Wahlbergs. So I guess I just assumed it was Marky Mark as much better looking than Donnie. But okay. Now I, I got my new kids and my funky bunch all straightened out. Yeah. Marky Mark <laughs> definitely got the talent in that family. Yeah. It's kind of like how you sometimes will call Joe Estevez when you can't afford Emilio. I didn't even know there was a Joe. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> Actually, I think I Joe call- might be his uncle. I thought but- you call Emilio when you can't afford Charlie Sheen. <laughs> I don't think anybody calls Emilio. <laughs> so the movie opens on a guy, Michael. And Michael has no relation to the plot other than to just get the audience into horror. But, you know, I, I'd like to mention that this photo of Michael is become the iconic picture for the Saw franchise with that spiky head contraption. The Venus flytrap light. Yeah, that is a huge icon of the Saw series. And actually, Horror Hound has conventions where you can get your picture taken in that device. So that scene has become it for Saw. And I think it's because it's such a freaky looking thing. You can see the guy's head, his eyes all bloody, and it's this spiky clamshell thing to smash his head. I got a question about that. First of all, my first note that I wrote when I saw this was Goonies on crack. (laughs) I've never seen Goonies. Okay, Goonies, it has all these weird little booby traps and and things rigged together, you know, to open doors or to catch bad guys. Just all these weird little inventions, gizmos. Like Indiana Jones to a degree. Yeah, but man, this is just like Goonies on crack with all the spikes and death devices. But that Michael has become the icon of the series. Now, Michael test. What was the thing with Michael? He was a voyeur? No, he was a police informant. He was a police informant. That's right. And he had to cut out his eye to get the key to free his head. We talked in the last movie about how those, there aren't really tests. This is at least really a test. You have one minute to cut out your own eyeball to live. That, that, I'll go with that as a test. Here's my thing. His death didn't look that painful. It looked like a pretty instant death as opposed to the pain he's going through to cut out his eye. So maybe I just don't have that gene in me to to persevere through any kind of a trial or tribulation. But I think I just sit there and wait to die. That seemed a lot (laughs) less. 
less people. You're right, it did. I it, agree completely. Yeah, but, I mean, he seemed pretty young. He probably lost 20 years of life. I, and I say that because informants probably don't live to be 100. But he could have lived for 20 more years or one more minute if he was willing to cut out his eye. The thing about Jigsaw is he certainly doesn't give you a whole lot of time. There's twice in this movie, and the first one's with Michael. Even if he was willing to cut out his own eyeball, you got to give him more than 60 seconds to cut out the eyeball, scoop out the eyeball, mm -hmm. find the key in his skull, and then feel around for the lock while undergoing the pain. It's like Jigsaw doesn't really want them to get out. But he's not a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> but Michael is an informant for Detective Matthews, played by Donnie Wahlberg, and that's how Matthews gets pulled in. But before this, we get a wonderful character development scene, which Jacob said was missing from the last movie, where Matthews is arguing with his son, Daniel. And get, you know, get ready to call me hypocrite. This is a sequel. I already know what the premise is. It bugged me this time. They, they like, <laughs> mixed the two films up. I'm like, I don't want character development now. I'm like, I know, I know what this is about. Just get into the killing and the torture devices. And that actually kind of bugged me. I was kind of just bored during all that. I'm like, really? Let's just get on. Yeah, it was an unnecessary setup. And again, I thought it was kind of confused whether it wanted to be a crime slash horror slash drama film or was it just trying to be a straight horror film because you had the drama with Matthews and his son and then that woman cop with the curly hair where they're oh no you've got to go talk to him and just overplayed drama between those two yeah she's Detective Carrie and according to Wikipedia and IMDB she was in the first one too as the same detective character she must have been yeah, working with Danny Glover she it, was it must have been blinking you missed it because I missed it and I actually know that actress because she was the one who was all naked in Starship Troopers. All right, then. Okay. Why does everything tie back to Starship Troopers? Because it's that awesome. So Detective Carrie brings Detective Matthews in and they finally figure out where Jigsaw is and they do a police raid to some wonderfully 80s TV cop music. We talked about the score last time. When they're raiding that house, I just got this big Law and Order music vibe off of it. And, and really, the, you know, cops don't know to like look for booby traps and to secure an area because they set one off like right away. Well, I, I, my first thought was actually we just had a gruesome murder of like an entire family like three weeks ago, like 30 miles from us. And I can tell you that the FBI has descended upon central Illinois faster than you can blink your eye. I mean, they are like all over and on this murder thing like you wouldn't believe. And it just seemed very unlikely that they wouldn't have like giant floodlights everywhere. SWAT. SWAT. Because they were showing like the murder scene on the news and there were like giant floodlights everywhere. There was cops miles and miles around. And here these guys go into this dark warehouse with really nothing. More to the point, why isn't the FBI involved? Why is it this local anonymous town police department? That seems to have trouble with this. I mean, isn't Jigsaw like a serial killer? He's killed like lots of people. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like his first time he's killed someone. That, that, yeah, that confused me. They're throwing this police book right out the window, I think. None of these guys went to their local community college to study law enforcement, obviously. So they break in and they find Jigsaw, who's just chilling in his black and red boxer's robe. And and the hood's up. I, I, I thought that was awful formal. <laughs> you know, he was like an evil Obi-Wan with that hood up. You think he could just put the hood down and relax instead of sitting there, hood up and IV fluids in. And he has the tricycle riding puppet. I don't understand how this puppet can ride a tricycle and move 
move? Is it remote control? But finally they capture him. And of course, it was all a plan as Jigsaw has captured Detective Matthews' son and sends Detective Matthews into a room to watch video of eight people in a room that is being filled with poison gas. The door will open in three hours, but they only have two hours to live. Here's my question about the gas. This this is going to play into it later. Never said that there was only like one uh, vial of gas for, or one vial of antidote for one person in that safe. Because the impression I got was there was enough antidote in there for everyone in the room. Am I wrong? I thought there was just one vial in that safe. I thought, but scattered throughout the house was enough for everybody. Correct. So if they went through the whole house, they'd get all of it. But they each were somehow related, which they find out later. It's because Matthews had set up all of these people in order to get a conviction. All but one. All but his one. Son. His son. But here's the problem I had. They kind of like half-assed it, I thought, because they had tapes planted all over the house for these people to listen to, and you get to listen to two of them, and then it's just kind of like, oh, well, we're not going to continue with that. In fact, one character finds a tape. And throws it away. (laughs) So it's like they started out with this thing, so you're going to find out the backstories and all these people, and then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, this is taking too long. Let's just continue You don't even find out so many of their names. In my notes, I have them referenced. I I don't have any of their names in my notes. So one, Abby, because they're like, Obi, who's that? It's Obi. Well, here's what I have them as. Thai guy, black guy, muscle guy, kid, blonde, brunette, homeless guy, and Shawnee Smith. <laughs> that is how I, I have listed blonde, them. Uh, play, did play, I don't know what her name is, but she did play Lucy Camden on 7th Heaven. So it's good to see <laughs> oh, she, 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 she doesn't want to be stereotyped. Oh, yeah. She was the uh, middle daughter, so. Yeah, they had, those girls had a problem because remember that Jessica Beale was on that show. I, I had that in my notes too. She kind of went off the rails and they, she had to go off to college because uh, she started an R-rated movie. That, well, she, didn't she pose for Playboy too? She and that's why they, did, she tried to get kicked off by po- posing for Playboy, I thought. So here, here's one thing though. They find a tape there which tells them the antidote is in the safe and he gives them clues. And here's what bothers me. The clues are they all have a number in the back of their mind. X marks the spot and they'll find the order of the numbers somewhere over the rainbow what the hell (laughs) the first thing that popped to my head was hey everyone look at the back of someone else's neck that was what i thought too is look at the back of their head in no way they're like instead we're gonna open the door that says do not open the second thing i thought is when the guy who's looking through the peephole of that door that says do not open and he gets his skull blown off is look inside his skull cap it might actually be in his skull i don't know why i thought that but you know jigsaw is pretty clever in the back of their mind back of their brain i was going with that i thought it was a pretty big risk to have the gun set up on the peephole to coincide with the key turn because you can't guarantee that that's what someone's gonna be looking through the peephole while someone's turning the key and they were kind of far enough apart where you couldn't do both at once. So yeah, the guy who chance to was take. turning the key got away fine. So yeah. if Moron hadn't been looking through the peephole. Yeah, I wrote coincidence and then wrote that scenario. I, I complained a lot about the coincidences in the last film and it looks like we're getting a lot of those coincidences with this film. Yeah. The other thing I really love is so Detective Matthews is seeing these people on camera so he immediately picks up his phone to call Daniel and gets Daniel's voicemail which Jigsaw politely changed. You have reached Daniel's phone. That was awfully nice of him to change the voicemail like that. It's the ice when we're watching it. So you're telling me this old man is changing someone's outgoing message on their cell phone? Because come on. I said with the traps he's building, this man can program a VCR. You know, most people his age can't, but... It, what, what was the point of telling him not
not to open that door when all the other antidotes were outside of that door. Who the hell knows? It doesn't make any sense, the whole thing in the house. Yeah, it, one of my problems was the whole reveal that the son, his dad, set up all these people to get thrown in jail. That was anticlimactic, wasn't it? Yeah, it never plays out. No. A couple of them give them dirty looks and then they die. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It should have been done much sooner in that first room. That should have been like an scene. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, they're like, hey, they're father and son. You set me up. Okay, let's go on. Yeah, By that really point, they were nothing. all choking on their own blood. So, yeah, but can we was... get any flat stereotypes for the people in the house? I mean, if you're going to give me a film about people trapped in the house, at least make them interesting. Yeah, they were so uninteresting. You're right. They didn't tell us their names. I mean, even. Yeah, they, they were just boring. I mean, and then I, I, I'm guessing, what did you call him? The muscle guy. Here was a guy that was supposedly set up to be thrown in jail, but he has no problem running around this house murdering everyone else to get their numbers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well. Like, really, he was framed? Okay. I don't think that it was ever said these weren't bad people. It's not like Donnie Wahlberg was setting up just anybody. He was setting up bad people. But it's like Shawnee Smith says later, her character Amanda, she did a lot of things, but the drugs she was busted for wasn't one of them. But what did the blonde girl from Seventh Heaven do that was so bad? They never even alluded to it. Why would he set her up? I'm guessing it was a prostitution set up thing, but I don't think they ever said <laughs> she, Well, I would have guessed the other girl for a prostitute. The not the one that was wearing almost nothing for a top. The Hispanic. I mean, we have a very diverse group here. Yeah. Every culture is represented, except the Asians who were represented last movie. Yeah. But only the white people get to live. Yes, of course. That's the way it works. Uh, can, can we talk about Jigsaw's, like, I called it his origin? scene what did you guys, i mean what did you think of this I, I thought it was boring remind me which origin senior he, he finds out he has cancer and he attempts to commit suicide in his car and you saw how they tied it back to dr gordon dr gordon's yeah. the one who told him he had cancer and he pulls the the i don't know whatever piece of the car went through his chest he pulls that out and now he's like now i know what it means to be alive i mean again totally just took that scene from fight club yeah but i i really our serial killer has cancer i i just I don't know. That makes him less scary. I think that's the point is, again, what's a twist? You know, it's he, instead of the serial killer being the strongest motherfucker in the room, he, he's infirm. He's frail. You, he can't lift his arm to fight you. He is the most innocuous being. And more, he's already got a death sentence, so there's nothing you can do to him. So I think that's the point. And I kind of like that twist because it's so different. And it's just, yeah, I'll admit that the scene where you find it out needlessly expository i think i got that out of the first movie is he had cancer and was showing others how to live i didn't need the whole scene this time but maybe that's just for the people who didn't see the first movie too but i kind of like the twist that instead of your usual michael myers or jason who are just huge strong people you've got this frail old dying man it, it was a twist and god knows these writers love twists of any sort and so it fits with their motif of any twist for twist's sake but i liked that it was yeah, I mean, I can see your point. It's very antithetical to your typical horror villain. And, you know, when I hear it like that, uh, I'll, I'll give him a little, little bit more credit. So Wahlberg is watching the monitors and Detective Casey's like, we're going to call for the tech team. And Mar oh God, <laughs> Marjorie and I were laughing throughout this whole movie because a half an hour passes and they're like, the tech team's 15 minutes away. And then another half an hour passes. That tech team takes forever to get there. Yeah, I mean, either the city is the largest city ever. Like they're going from 
Manhattan to the tip of Long Island or something, but come on. I mean, that tech team arrives with 15 minutes to spare, literally, and then it takes them five seconds to do their job to get a lock on the house from the signal. Triangulate. Yes, they triangulated the signal. What the hell took them so long? And did you notice that they also threw out every bit of police procedure in this scene where they're holding him, they're letting him have water? Donnie Wahlberg goes and gets Jigsaw more water. He's like, come on, have some more water, please. Why wouldn't you give him water? The man's under arrest. Okay, but they still get water. No, they usually don't. Usually this is where the cops beat the crap out of you. Well, they did that. Yeah, after, but... And, like, taking him, letting him talk to him all by himself. I mean, this thing just reeks of internal affairs investigating (laughs) every single person involved with the sting. Again getting to kind of get into the end but it comes up here is the big twist he says all you have to do is sit here and talk to me did that fool you guys because i i'm i already know i'm already conditioned to start looking for these things after that first film and the whole thing was okay this guy should just sit there and talk to him and, and it's going to work out somehow of course you know that's what we're supposed to think it's the whole big jigsaw thing is if you play by the rules mm-hmm. you'll get what you want but by the same token how can you believe that if you're watching your son coughing up blood on a monitor and seeing a clock tick down are you supposed to sit there and wait for that clock to reach zero and your son to supposedly die while you just talk to the cancer man well i think this is where someone else steps in to assist because he cannot remove himself from the case and scenario because he's a hothead worried about his son and they're getting nowhere and look where he ends up because of that but you have to play jigsaw's game jigsaw says i want to talk to you and so that's why they don't remove him Uh, again what's where's their intel on this guy they obviously have you know found other murder scenes they, they should know how this guy operates by now i don't know i, I guess i could see if it's my own son in there you, you might not be able to think as clearly but you know does you know does the police force do they share intel when they you know each uh, uh, crime scene investigator do they share this intel about jigsaw so the whole entire police force knows how this guy operates i, I would hope so i would think oh, no, so. they're I mean, keeping it all secret <laughs> well you know maybe they, they're just following the the example of our actual fbi and cia who doesn't share intel that's the model but i don't know it bugged me yeah and i can just in this case i think it was unrealistic for jigsaw to expect him to sit there for the two hours you know it's just you're asking for too much and of course everything's gonna play down the way it does which is donnie Wahlberg beats the living crap out of him or the dying crap out of him as the main case may be yeah so i'm really beginning to think at this point that jigsaw is this mastermind psychologist who knows exactly what these people are going to do given any entire situation that he throws out at them because it all plays into his plan and we never see any backup plans like oh my god it went this way so we don't see anything else it just all goes exactly how he wants it to because he wanted Donnie Wahlberg to beat him up and or not beat him up but take him wanted him to take him to this house to find his son so he can get him in that nasty bathroom but there's no backup plans no no it goes back to what I said about the first one he Jigsaw he's not a mastermind he just he just has a billion clues everywhere so no matter what you do you're going to find a clue somewhere or some scenario is going to pop up. So to the people in the house, we've got Ty guy gets his head blown off. And the reason Jacob, you asked why does he not want them to open the door? It's to show them to play by the rules because the door pops open on its own with a timer after a while. So it's a lesson. You have to play by his rules, but then you go down and they find Obi has an oven and there's two antidotes in it. And Obi goes in and he says, you'll get the first one. The second one comes out of 
price. And the price is Obi is burned to death inside the oven. Well, he had a way out in there, though. He could have turned off the gas if he stuck his hand in the flame. True. Yeah, it shows him to stick his hand in there and just, I, mean, he, I don't know, he couldn't took the pain, even though he's already being burned alive. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I suppose if you're being burned alive, you could pretty much just deal with the pain. Yeah. If you're drowning, someone pours more water on you. Does it make it any more painful? I don't know. <laughs> so there's two of the antidotes. We never really find all eight. We know one's in the safe. Two were in the oven. I'm telling you, it's because they gave up. <laughs> That's why. Because they realized it was no one cared about these characters. You don't even know what half of them did. You have Latina girl who walks into that room and there's the box with the antidote. And she doesn't even bother listening to the tape. Has she not paid attention to what's happened to her the last hour? <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, she's just like, oh, free antidote and reaches her arm up and i'm like oh you are so losing that arm yeah and she spills the antidote too yeah i think it was like glued down or something so when she tried to pull it up it comes apart you you needed to put both hands in it's like you know a chinese finger trap but she spilled the antidote and then reached in with her other hand anyway so that didn't make a whole lot of sense and of course xavier the muscle guy just leaves her there and we assume she dies of poison gas can we talk about the needle scene oh, oh god yeah. That's the one that I felt the pain. This is the one scene where I was cringing and like covering my eyes because that was nasty. That was Xavier's test is to get an antidote. There's a locked door and there's a pit of syringes that you have to dig through to find the key on the rabbit's foot. And rather than jump in himself, Xavier, and I, I actually loved this. He picks up Shawnee Smith, who's what, a hundred pound nothing, and throws her into the syringes so she can find the antidote for him. Why did he pick her? to throw in why yeah. not throw the little tiny girl the one that was smaller i guess shawnee smith was closer and within yeah. reach and i love that he's upset with her when she fails to get it in time <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Dumb> bitch. <laughs> her screams were great in that though i thought she really did good screams oh, I, it was painful yeah I mean, watching uh officer uh matthew's son having to pull those knees even though it, it didn't look very realistic how the needles were kind of all in there just having to watch him pull those out it, it was yeah, that, that made me cringe. Yeah, that was something. And I'm surprised that she would even look for the key. If somebody threw me in a pit of syringes mm -hmm. so they could get the antidote, I'd be like, fuck you. Yeah, I, it's I my antidote now. Well, were you confused why she was with the group because she was supposedly saved in the first one? I mean, I was kind of wondering. I thought either either she relapsed or she she uh, Jigsaw put her there on purpose to kind of watch everyone. Kind of like Jigsaw watched the, the two in the first one. Here's what you missed, though. They threw a big clue in there. When you first see her, when she wakes up, she has her wrist bandaged. Yeah, but uh, it, again, Jigsaw faked a gunshot to his head. That's true. So I, I, I was kind of torn. I'm like, is she, did she relapse or really is she a spy like Jigsaw was in the first? And, and I got excited because I'm like, oh, maybe they're bringing that cult of Jigsaw thing. <laughs> well, and if you watched it, she did kind of lead people around. So... Yeah, she knew to like, go through that brick wall to find uh -huh. the clue. And also, here's the thing that I noticed. She was the only one not coughing up blood. Mm -hmm. It was quite obvious the poison was not affecting her the same way it was everyone else. And Daniel didn't seem to be coughing up blood either. No, but he did get that pale look. And yeah. apparently when you get pale, your eyes get all dark. But everybody else was like coughing and weak and stumbling. And Shawnee Smith and Daniel were doing pretty good. So that right there is a big clue, again, in retrospect, as to the fact that Shawnee Smith is in on it, which is, of course, our big twist. And yeah, it does go to your cult of Jigsaw, Jacob. Yeah, which, again, I liked. I thought that was a great 
potential, a, a good direction the movie could go into. It, when the whole point of the killer, again, maybe this is me thinking too much, or maybe the point of a horror movie is just to watch people die. I like things to be a bit more cerebral. Uh, so I want to see, you know, if his whole point of killing people or putting people in these torture scenes is to make them really appreciate life. Yeah, get this devotion going to him. So he has this whole group of killers. He gets spread out. He's not just in this uh, dank little city that's made up of these uh, abandoned buildings. You know, let, let's see uh, Jigsaw in Paris or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a test for you. I don't think it would be as good. My biggest problem with this movie is it was boring. Yeah. I'm sitting there watching these people in the house. Again, I don't care about any of them. They're, they're just bland, flat stereotypes. You know, even though the real story was about Officer Matthews, the majority of this film was focused in on this house. The, these people trapped in a house. And I just didn't care about any of them. I mean, the one I, I cared most about was uh, Amanda, but that was just because I saw her in the last film. So it was Oh, a familiar face. And then that came back to bite you because she was in on it. Yeah, which I actually like that. I, I, I kind of had a feeling that's where it was going, and I like that twist. I also didn't care about any of these people in the house. And I really, when it started, you don't even get a good group shot. And it took me some time to figure out how many people even were there. And so I'm trying to see, have we seen them before? And I figured out there were eight people. And I'm like, well, eight people's way too many for a horror movie. We gotta pare this down so that there is a core group of people we care about. Because like on any Friday the 13th, you may start with eight people, but you're only going to learn three of their names. And those are the three who survived to the end. So it was kind of like that with this, although... We learned Obi or Abby's name and he didn't make it. But Obi just like pop up out of nowhere. Like I was confused by him. Like, was he there before? I don't know. I don't care. He kind of was, but Arnie kept referring to him as a homeless guy. He just looked homeless with the sweatshirt and the five o'clock shadow and the shaved head. I mean, he, he looked. He totally looked like a junkie. Yeah. Uh, he looked like he smelled. You know, <laughs> you just wouldn't want to stand next to him. Like he's got a stench. Like if you've ever been in Manhattan and one of those homeless people come on the subway car and it just fills the whole car with reek that's what abby i thought smelled like or if you go to a great many uh pop culture type conventions <laughs> yeah you get that walking by you but yeah i think the main problem is here there was no character to care about you actually kind of felt bad for jigsaw because he had cancer and it's hooked up to ivs and then gets a crap beat out of him by a new kid on the block and <laughs> you didn't care about detective matthews because he was an asshole. You certainly didn't care about the girl cop because she had no character development. Her character is completely flat and her whole thing consisted of, no, Matthews, don't! Or, Matthews, help me! You've got to join this case. They're and the tech team's 15 minutes away! Yeah, I mean, she had no purpose, really, other than to state the incredibly obvious. And you didn't care about anybody in the house because you didn't learn enough about them, and it was just like, I hope this is set up for the third one. That's all I can say. I honestly felt like this one it was obviously rushed they didn't expect saw to be such a great success it was very profitable and so they decide we have to have another one out next year and now they're planning this in advance they're already working on saw seven saw six isn't out yet when we record this lovely so they're giving themselves the time they need to work on it the writers finish one and immediately start working on a second while the people are still filming so they have enough time to actually make this movies saw two had to have been a big rush job and so they did this and they just tried to emulate the first one in so many ways you've got your cop story and then you've got your people trapped in a location story i i totally agree because you get to that scene where a uh, muscle guy where he, he confronts a man and she's like you're never going to know what the number is on the back of your neck so you get the scene he pulls out the knife and he starts sawing off the back of his neck you get the music and it really seems like oh we had that big gross out scene with the ankle in the first one with the foot in the first one you got to do something like that and that seems like the only reason 
reason that scene was even in the movie. Yeah, and I love the fact, though, that when he does it, he has this huge, very realistic piece of flesh in his hand, and then he slides yeah. it in his pocket. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> I don't want to accidentally wash that without taking it out. <laughs> but the problem was, this one, because I felt it was rushed, it tried to emulate the first one in many ways, but it failed. Like, you've got the scene where the brunette's arms are stuck in the canister that we were talking about, and if you watch that scene, it is cut like an MTV music video. She's screaming, the camera's zooming and cutting and flashing and strobing, and God help you if you have epilepsy at this point, because you're foaming at the mouth on the floor, but nothing's really happening. She's just standing there. I actually wrote down music video <laughs> multiple times while watching this movie, because it, w- it would give me a headache. I'm like, why is it edited like this? Yeah. This isn't a Michael Bay film. There's no reason for the crazy editing. Yeah, and it was just there to ratchet up tension that wasn't there. It was trying to give you a visceral experience when there was no nothing emotional to back it up. And yeah, I've just, the whole thing. But at the end, we've got a few wonderful things. You've got the police. Jigsaw says to Detective Matthews, I will take you there, but only you. And Matthews, the moron, says, okay, and goes off with Jigsaw. Yeah, how stupid is that, first of all? I know you, the whole play by the rules thing, but he's a freaking moron. Seriously. Well, you, you, you guys have seen more horror than me. And this bugged me in the in the first film, too, where uh, Asian cop goes chasing after Jigsaw by himself, goes into the dark basement. Is, is there a horror movie where people actually have seen horror movies? Scream. <laughs> okay. Scream. Because it's, it's like when I watch a zombie movie in the first half hour is, is the people trying to realize you have to shoot them in the brain. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we know how to kill zombies now. Let's let's get to the point. Scream was the postmodern horror where it was almost jokey in that, you know, they actually watch Halloween and talk about all the things you don't do in a horror movie or you're not going to live. And why is it people run up the stairs instead of out of the house? And if you have sex, you're going to die. And they poke fun at it and then follow it. So maybe I need to watch that one because it sounds like it, it understands what's going on with horror movies. It just it bugged me here. So you've got all of this going on. But the big twist at the end is that I, I was getting a Silence of the Lambs flashback because the tech team finally located it. So the police <laughs> are going to the house and Detective Matthews is going to the house, but they're obviously not in the same house. Meanwhile, Shawnee Smith and Daniel are running from Xavier and Muscle Guy. Yeah, Muscle Guy. And he's got this wonderful mace made of a baseball bat and nails, which I, I love that as a weapon. I actually think we need some of those for home protection. Okay, dear. And you can just tell that some of them aren't in the same house. Like in the end of Silence of the Lambs when the FBI team's breaking into the house and it's not the same house. This SWAT team breaks into this house that has been filled with poison gas and they did not have gas masks on. Nope. <laughs> what the hell was that? Really? You know, you've watched for two hours that there's gas in this house. You don't tell that to the SWAT team? Yeah, just run in there. Okay. Worst police department ever. They have no clue. Well, maybe break open the door that will ventilate the place. <laughs> <laughs> but they go in and Detective Matthews is at the real house. The SWAT team isn't. They find VCRs that have been playing this and the big twist is the house thing all happened earlier and it was not broadcast live. Did that get you? You know, again, I'm kind of on my toes looking for things, but yeah, that did get me. It got me too. I'm sitting there when they're going through the house and I'm like, what is the twist? They're obviously not in the same house. What is the twist? Is it that there's going to be a camera filming a television, 
you know, so that they traced it to one location and have to trace it to another. What is the twist? I didn't get, oh, it all happened earlier. And then, of course, Daniel was safe and sound with a oxygen mask in a safe. So had Matthews just talked to Jigsaw for two hours, the safe would have popped open and Daniel would have fallen out. And there's your big twist. But then we find the second twist. Amanda is in on it. And you find this out when Matthews goes into the shit-filled bathroom from the first movie. And what I liked there is you still have Adam's body from the first movie and Michael Emerson's body from the first movie. And the foot. decomposing. And Carrie Alway's foot. Yeah, I, I like that you got that callback to the first one and they, they didn't clean up. They obviously don't clean up after themselves. They don't even no. flush. No. <laughs> <laughs> and Amanda's there. She chains Detective Matthews there. But then she says a line that really just bugs the shit out of me because it, it's again like the writers were trying to be clever and failed. She says, the cure for death itself is immortality. Well, yeah, if you are immortal, you don't die. It, it's like that that that's one of those trite lines that it just ugh, it, it made my eyes roll. Marty, <laughs> he's a junkie. You should be appreciate that she knows the word immortality, that she could <laughs> say a word with that many syllables. Yeah, I, I suppose you're right. And then we have a f- callback also to the first movie in that she closes the door, leaving Detective Matthews in there and says, game over. So, so they stole Bill Paxton's line from Aliens, <laughs> first of all. Yeah, but she wasn't whining when she said it this time. She kind of has a whiny voice, though. Game over, man. Yeah. She doesn't come off at all as menacing, that's for sure. Again, she's what, five foot nothing? <laughs> you know, she, but then again, that's again the twist. Come on, the big killer is a cancer patient, so why not have a uh, anorexic chick as a killer as well? Yeah, that that's the twist. What what a big twist! And I do like that they took her character from the last one, and you got to think that they weren't really setting her up in the last one. The last one, they were just. I can't imagine that they really knew when they made the first one. Well, if we have a second one, we're going to bring back Shawnee Smith and make her part of it. But yet, it fits so well with the way she was reborn after surviving the jaw trap. Yeah, again, I, I liked that development. I mentioned the first one. I, I was hoping they go in that direction. So I, I did like that twist at the end here. Anything that validates my thinking, I enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, I just like, again, Matthews failed his game, but I don't understand why he's chained up in a bathroom for because it. Because he was the one he was originally after because he's evil by planting evidence on people. True. So he's giving him a taste of what it's like to be locked up with no hope of ever getting out. Ah, See? it's irony. It, is. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, he was the target all along. The other people were employed to get Matthews into the dirty bathroom. Well, I knew they were trying to catch him, but the whole chained up forever, just like he was chaining people forever. That, that's very insightful of you, Marjorie. But yeah, it was a big ploy and see the whole, everything is ironic in the whole... It's all another twist. Yes. Which is, I guess, why this movie is actually made by a company called Twisted Pictures. Not twisted as in insane, but twisted as in what he twist but here's the thing so i guess here's where i'm confused and maybe i my brain had just turned off by this point matthews was ahead of the swat team in the same house right the swat team went to a different house the swat team went to a house with the vcrs so they went to a completely different house yes jigsaw took him to the real it's not even a house it's like a a mansion or something it's got a house in it but yet underneath the house is the junky ass where the hell is that bathroom i don't understand where that's in the basement went down 
downstairs. It's like underneath the house. Yeah, but the whole house, is it a house or is it like a factory or a plant? I thought it was like a sewage plant in the last one. I, I was wondering where Jigsaw got his funding for all this. It seems very elaborate for a dying cancer he appears independently wealthy. Yeah, I mean... Well, he happens to be, luckily enough, in a town with a lot of rundown, abandoned warehouses. Maybe he's in Pittsburgh. <laughs> because, yeah, he can just go anywhere. He sets up in an old abandoned steel mill and an abandoned sewage treatment plant. But yeah, again, he's a cancer patient and he's doing a lot of construction. And those doors look heavy. Those big steel doors. Mm -hmm. You'd think he'd have to hire a contractor for help that. And perhaps the contractor could have turned him in. Yeah, but I imagine though that contractors get some pretty freaky shit they're asked to build <laughs> i i bet that there are some things that you're just like really wow <laughs> calling a contractor i need you to build me a sex dungeon <laughs> i need eye bolts in the ceiling three feet apart yes exactly. and i need reinforced beams that can handle the weight of three people <laughs> are you gonna use this to torture or kill anyone nope all right when do we start <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so i mean again i think if you pay cash you can probably get what you want but again i don't know where he gets his money so that's he cash Oh. That's the whole other issue is where he's getting the cash. Apparently he's independently wealthy and can spend his money on all these fabulous toys. And then is he like a metalsmith or do these torture devices already exist? Like that clamshell spiky thing. Is that something that is common around the world? Oh yeah, you, you can, can buy those at true Craig, value. Pick it up on Craigslist or something? <laughs> yeah. Or what about the thing that's going to rip Shawnee Smith's head apart? I mean, is that Here's a common thing. thing? He he had a childhood of playing the game Mousetrap. <laughs> <laughs> he was a master at Mousetrap. <laughs> We're just waiting for the jigsaw puzzle where the boot kicks the bucket and the marble rolls that's part <laughs> seven going back to this whole jigsaw thing the body at the beginning was missing the piece of flesh wasn't it yes so they kept that so was anyone going around collecting a, a jigs jigsaw shaped piece of flesh on these victims in the house or is that just a moot point by, by now I think it's a moot point because notice it was it's only on the first one you see, the first murder, and then it's never ever mentioned again. Like you'd think that while they're in this, they'd realize, Oh my god, I've got a really bad sore spot on my shoulder. What's going on? And someone looks at it, We have a jigsaw piece taken out of your shoulder. Well, after Shawnee Smith injects Detective Matthews, she's wearing the pig mask, we get the pig mask back too. We get, you know, a brief flashback to all the things. We see the puppet once, we see the pig mask once. I'm sure she went around and just cut a little jigsaw piece out. There was a conversation in the first podcast I had said you know jigsaw was bad at corporate branding here jigsaw's like that's never a name i wanted it's something the press gave me i didn't make up that name but he put puzzle pieces on people's bodies he said it's a symbol that those people had something missing then don't get mad if they call you the jigsaw killer <laughs> <laughs> but you think he would have embraced it a little more still <laughs> rather than have the puppet instead of being like ghost face killer because that was already taken by a rapper I it think. was yeah but. but they do bring it up maybe shawnee smith went around and cut a little puzzle piece out it's very exact i'd almost think it would have to be a brand it's more a than die a cut. cut it's a die yeah, cut. i was gonna say it's gotta be a die cut which which is a shame because i was hoping at some point we get to see this puzzle but if it's just a die cut they're all the same <laughs> no, piece i'm never gonna interrupt. yeah i mean it's <laughs> never gonna be anything just a mishmash of human flesh really and uh, the the horrible thing is because this person's missing something. Who does Jigsaw deem worthy? You know, who is living life to the fullest? Is Jigsaw well, fond of like the bungee jumping, skydiving, extreme kind of guys because they're living life on the edge? What does Jigsaw like in a person? That, that's kind of my question because with 
all horror, at least the old horror stuff, there's always some kind of morality tale. I mean, you read Hans Christian Andersen, and those fairy tales are horror stories. You know, people getting their eyes pecked out. And that's kind of what these our, our horror films are. You know, they're morality tales. You have sex in the forest, you're going to die. You, you, you're a white, rich suburban kid, and you fall asleep. Someone's going to take revenge on well, you. It's not just being rich. You're usually a rich asshole. Okay, yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, there's always some kind of morality tale. And this, maybe, again, I, I, I maybe I'm grasping here, but I really see Jigsaw. He, he's got this god complex. He's the only one that's worthy to pass judgment, and his judgment seems pretty arbitrary. So are they getting some comment about God, how you know our ideas of religion are just very arbitrary and there is no absolute morality? Again, I'm grasping for something to, to you know, something underneath the surface here, because what the surface story is just isn't very entertaining. Because yeah, it seems like anything, when, when you get to Adam the photographer, who's just like a private eye, I mean, it's like Jigsaw could come after me. Arnie, you spent your life talking into a microphone, but will you cut out your own tongue to save your life? You know, it's like shit. <laughs> Yeah, did, did you get the feeling? Have you guys seen Mystery Men? Yeah, you know, the, the eyes guy and whatever. If you want to find yourself, you must lose yourself. And they kind of start making a joke about that. Yeah, that totally popped in my mind with all of Jigsaw's little uh, torture gigs going on here. If you if you you've talked for a living, so now if you want to live, you have to remove your tongue. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I I I just couldn't think of anybody I know who Jigsaw wouldn't find some flaw in to exploit. He's pretty much going to hit the whole human race. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's... It's not like he targets the worst of the worst. Because Adam was a private eye, a voyeur. I, I mean... He, I don't think it was a private eye. I just thought he was like a tabloid photographer. Well, yeah, perhaps that was it. I mean, they call him a photographer, but he's hired to follow somebody. I, I think that's more detective work, but... You see where that guy lived? There's no way he's making money off of uh, selling paparazzi-style photos. Yeah, it was a dump. You're and right. have you seen the city? I want to know what's celebrities are visiting <laughs> it was a pretty gross city all right so with that i think we should close the door on saw so jacob marjorie do you recommend saw 2 i do not recommend saw 2 i like saw 1 it was something that was a little bit different not a deep film but a fun film this saw 2 i, I found boring I, I was watching the clock just waiting for time to pass i didn't care about any of the characters and I think my problems with Saw 1, where they were jumping all over the place in time, going to these flashbacks. Saw 2, definitely more linear. But as a sequel, I'm watching this as a sequel. I don't want that. I want to just get into the story. I, I know what the situation is. I think if the writers really uh, put in some brain work here, did some uh, hardcore rewrites, I think Saw 1 and Saw 2 could make a really good film. But as just Saw, Saw 2 as a standalone and has, how it's been presented, no, I do not recommend this. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, my guess is you're probably watching all these movies or have watched all these movies. So you can't skip part two. I think that this sequel gets very confused as to what it wants to be. And it's not an in your face. Oh, my God, I can't believe they just did that horror film. Kind of like the first one where it was holy crap. Wow, they're really going there. There was literally crap. Yeah, there was only one scene that I think had the potential to make people uncomfortable and or two scenes, I guess the syringes and the guy cutting his eye out. But he didn't actually do it and the guy cutting his neck off yeah but that wasn't all that eh, you know i i think that if you're gonna watch all of them you obviously can't skip it but for god's sakes just don't start with part two (laughs) don't don't hey honey this is on hbo let's watch this and that was kind of bad and i think that they need to get rid of that crime drama element because it's really you're mixing my svu with my horror and it's just not going there for me so you don't recommend it i think it might be one of the weakest ones 
of the whole franchise, to be honest. I am basically going to echo Marjorie's sentiment. I mean, in the end, I don't recommend this movie as a movie. But unlike so many other horror franchises, this movie, more than the first one, is so intertwined with the sequels that it's required homework, but it does feel like homework because it's boring. And even though it's a pretty short movie, it feels really long. And the characters don't hold my interest. And Marjorie, you talked in the last movie about Carrie Elway's bad acting. Carrie Elway's is head and shoulders above Donnie Wahlberg. Oh, I think you can just forget it. And it's all bad acting. I mean, Tobin Bell, I think, does a good job because he's kind of creepy and unsettling. And I thought they did a good job of making him look sick because when you see him in like a regular picture, I mean, he doesn't look like that at all. But he looks very gaunt. I think he was decent. I've seen him in another movie recently and he I didn't think, oh, my God, this Tobin Bell took me a while. So I think he's doing a good job. But I think the rest of them. Wow. You'll never be on Inside the Actor's Studio. Yeah. So the acting is bad. The story is contrived and bad. And the twists at the end are nowhere near as mindfuck as the first one. You know, the twist at the end, you're like, no, Shawnee Smith was in on it. All right. And that's, you know, it it just isn't a fulfilling movie. So no, I don't recommend Saw 2, but yet you have to. It's, you know, and I think that's what Marjorie's saying too. Yeah, I think it's one of the things that you you obviously can't go see part six in the theaters without seeing the rest of the series because you're going to be like, what? But yet you could with A Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th. But Saw isn't that. Saw is not an anthology. It is definitely a continuing story, but it doesn't ever link back to one. No, it doesn't. One's kind of forgotten, but I will tell you, once Costas Mandalore gets in the picture, oh my god, I am still confused about what's going on. So you have to see them all in quick order or else you're going to be totally lost. And that's what we'll discuss next time when we come back for Saw 3. So Jacob, Marjorie, thank you for joining me. And to our listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can listen to our review of Saw, the first movie, at nowplayingpodcast.com and come back each week as we do the remaining films in the Saw series. You can listen to our other retrospective series, Friday the 13th, Halloween, Star Trek, Terminator, the Rob Zombie, House of a Thousand Corpses duology, all at nowplayingpodcast.com. And if you enjoyed this show, please leave us a review on iTunes. There's a link to it from our homepage and come and tell us what you think of this retrospective series in our forums, which you can find again at nowplayingpodcast.com. Marjorie Jacob, thank you for joining me. Thank you. I don't know, maybe we should be mad at you for watching this. And we'll be back next time for Saw 3. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the now-playing Saw Movie Retrospective. Congratulations, you are still alive. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review for us on iTunes, or post about us on Facebook, Twitter, or your social media avenue of choice. You can find more now-playing retrospective series at our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Series include Halloween, Friday the 13th, Star Trek, Terminator, and others. This is the most fun I've had without lubricant. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2009, and is not affiliated with Lionsgate Pictures or Twisted Pictures. Saw and all that the Saw universe contains are copyright and trademark Twisted Pictures, and no infringement is intended.
guys, you're totally missing where they got all this from. It's totally Inspector Gadget. No. Yeah, because his nemesis had all those neat contraptions and they always wanted Gadget's things because they were better. It's like the Inspector Gadget of murderers. I don't think that's why Claw was after Gadget. Yeah, he <laughs> wanted his toys. He wanted his go-go Gadget <laughs> yeah, legs. Yeah, he did. Great death machine. Uh, insightful of you, Marjorie. Well, thank you. Glad my college paid off. <laughs> <laughs> you went to college to watch Saw films. Look, I have a sociology degree. What the fuck? What do you think? <laughs> I'm surprised you're able to figure that out then. <laughs> <laughs>